This podcast is not legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances. Thank you everyone for joining today. This is Tax Records, a podcast series produced by the Hall & Wilcox tax team. My name is Adam Demack and I'm a special counsel in the Hall & Wilcox tax team. And I'm joined today by my colleague and friend, partner, Anthony Bradica. We're here today to talk about employee share option plans and the top seven things that startup companies should watch out for when making new grants. So Anthony, let's talk about timing first. As we know in the tax world, lots of things are driven by lodgement and end of financial year deadlines. Is this the same for employee share schemes and is there a good time for uh, entities to issue equity under employee share scheme plans? Thanks, Adam. Um, look, the start of the uh, financial year is a great time to, uh, to consider whether to implement an employee incentive arrangement or to make uh, new grants under an existing employee option plan. Um, look, for startups, there are, there are great tax concessions that are conditional on the company meeting certain criteria that are based around data and conditions as at 30 June. So whilst you can issue equity under an ESOP at any time, sequencing a grant once you have your financials for the recent 30 June just gone is a really useful time to issue equity. I mean, one benefit is that you can use the company's balance sheet as at the most recent 30 June to establish your net tangible assets or NTA per share and use that to set the exercise price for your options that you're going to issue under an option plan. Thanks, Anthony. That's good advice. And are there any other benefits for startups from the concessions generally? Yeah, absolutely. The, uh, the tax concessions for employees of startups are quite generous. In short, employees pay no tax on their options until an exit event. Uh, sale or disposal are, are the most common and only pay tax on half the gain under the CGT rules, provided the equity has been held for at least 12 months before the disposal. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, you mentioned about the benefits for the concessions for startups, and I think they're, they're pretty great. Uh, you did, though, refer to an acronym earlier on, NTA. Uh, how does that all work? Yeah, so the tax concessions for startups require that the option exercise price is set at the current market value of a share. Now, to avoid the expense of uh, having to go and get an independent valuation, the ATO accepts that a company can use its NTA per share, its net tangible assets per share, as a proxy for market value. However, a condition for the use of the NTA concession is that the company is making offers within seven years of its incorporation. So that even if you're a startup with less than 10 years under your belt, uh, which is the major criteria for being a startup, you may no longer be able to use the NTA concession. Got it. So, I mean, even though these concessions are designed for startups, probably a bit like everything in the tax world, there's a bit of complexity behind it. Is there anything else that people need to be mindful about in relation to the NTA and the concessions? Look, another condition for the NTA concession is that the company mustn't have raised more than $10 million in the past 12 months. But if you've raised more than that $10 million in a previous year, um, the NTA concession can still be available for this year's grants if that $10 million threshold hasn't been breached in the past 12 months and the company otherwise qualifies for the NTA concession. Okay. And what about if money is raised in a different currency? Yeah, so in doing that um, $10 million threshold calculation, you've got to convert it to Australian dollars. So a lot of our clients have been raising money um, in overseas markets, the US, for example. And if you raise funds in US dollars, you've got to convert it to Australian dollars to see if you pass that $10 million threshold. 
Okay. And so if a, if a company qualifies as a startup uh, and, and meets all the necessary conditions, can it lose that status or when, when might it lose that status? Yeah, absolutely, Adam. Um, now, this needs to be checked every single time that a grant is made. Uh, the company needs to be less than 10 years old, uh, not be a listed company, and have aggregated turnover less than $50 million. Now, there's a couple of these conditions, and what you need to bear in mind is that the conditions work on a group or aggregated basis. And in some cases, for example, you may need to include the turnover of your significant, um, that's more than 40% shareholders, in working out whether you meet these tests or not. Okay, so it seems like it's not exactly a sort of set and forget exercise for startups that might be regularly issuing equity to employees. Is it in terms of the plan rules, though, is, is that a set and forget thing? Or do they need to be looked at uh, periodically also? Sure. So look, Adam, once you've got a set of plan rules in place, um, I, I know it's easy just to put them in the, into the top drawer and just forget about them until, say, you know, an employee leaves or there's an impending exit event. But things you need to bear in mind is that as you grow and your business develops, um, it's worth reviewing the plan rules from time to time just to make sure that the plan terms still meet your needs. Now, for example, um, a lot of our clients um, have got um, plans that um, they implemented a number of years ago when they were starting up um, that don't have vesting clauses or they might have provisions that deal with you know, employees who leave that were worked out and settled several years ago. It's certainly worth doing a, um, a quick reread and having a think about whether the plan rules still suit your business and commercial needs. Thanks. Yeah, I think that's probably good advice. Now, as usual, when we do these tax record podcasts, we've been talking about a lot of tax stuff. Do companies need to think about anything else? Are there any Corporations Act provisions or requirements that need to be taken into account here? Yeah, there sure are. Um, so when options or shares are granted, the um, the fundraising provisions of the uh, the Corporations Act need to be considered as well. Um, many companies um, have typically relied on various exemptions um, under the Corps Act, like the small scale exemption or the senior manager exemptions to avoid having to prepare a disclosure document every time they, they issue options or shares. Now, these rules need to be considered uh, whenever a grant's made and are effectively a point in time test. So say companies that have traditionally relied on the small scale threshold exemption may find it more difficult to meet that threshold as the company and their headcount grows. Hence why we always suggest every time you make a grant, you've got to consider these rules. As many of our listeners will know, the corporation's law has been amended with effect from 1 October 2022 uh, to expand the types of fundraising exemptions. But look, company law always needs to be considered whenever a grant of options is made. All right, thanks, Anthony. Uh, I reckon that's enough non-tax stuff. Back to tax, but uh, away from income tax, I think what we've been speaking about is some of the income tax concessions, but are there any other non-tax issues that people should consider here? Absolutely. The um, Many clients either forget about payroll tax or don't even think about it. Um, every state and territory treats the grant of options under an ESOP as taxable wages to which payroll tax applies it's no longer surprising the number of companies that fail to pay payroll tax on their ESOP grants. And I should say in broad terms, companies can choose to pay payroll tax on the grant or at a later time when the options vest. Thanks. Yeah, I, I can easily see how that would be something that would be missed. Um, all right, before we finish up today, uh, was there anything else on tax that you wanted to tell our audience about that they should keep in mind? And there's, there's probably one final lesson I want to mention, um, and that comes down to compliance, tax compliance, which often gets to the bottom of the list in terms of our priorities when we issue options or shares. 
it's often the case that companies forget to do their annual reporting to the ATO on their ESOP grants. Any grants you make under an ESOP require you to report annually to employees on certain details of the equity. And that needs to be done by 14 July after the year in which the grant is made. And you need to separately report to the ATO a further month later by 14 August on those grants. Look, Adam, in wrapping up, it's relatively easy for startup companies to implement an ESOP. And the great danger is that annual grants are made without regard to the specific tax and regulatory requirements that need to be complied with to ensure that employees are not adversely taxed and that the company is not subject to um, potentially civil and criminal penalties under the corporation's law. Thanks, Anthony. I think this sort of information is uh, invaluable for startups who are looking for a bit of uh, insight into how the startup concessions would work. Thank you, everyone else, also for listening today. As always, please get in touch with us if you have any questions. You can find our details on our website, which is www.hallandwilcox.com.au, or you can connect with Hall and Wilcox or the tax team directly on LinkedIn. If you enjoyed today's episode, then rate, review, or follow our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can also subscribe to our podcast directly on our website to be notified of new episodes. Thank you, Anthony, and thank you again to our listeners. Mm -hmm.